On 1116 SEN, the Four Diego's. Welcome, Migos. This is the Four Diego's 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. I'm Carlos Alberto Diego. With me tonight is Vinny Venezuela. Hello, Carlos. How are you? I'm very, very well. It's been a while since I've hosted, but uh, I reckon I'll do as well as the Socceroos did last night over the uh, over there in the Middle East. So you expect to stumble? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe uh, be a little bit impotent in front of goals, but I should be fine. Uh, Warren Diego, you're joining us also. Yes, no, Carlos, despite the fact that you're hosting, I decided to come in. You're right, and um, I'm sure you'll do an adequate job without Rodrigo being here, who is always in our thoughts. Is he? <laughs> is he passed away or something? <laughs> No, he's always in our thoughts. When I'm a bit when concerned because as we speak, he's schmoozing with Maxi Walker. Yeah, that so. is. Yes. If you go on Twitter, you'll be able to, at 40 Diego's, you'll be able to see uh, uh, Rodrigo. He's chosen something better to do tonight rather than be here and host the show. But I uh, know that he's enjoying himself. And I, and apparently he's he's done something no one's ever done before. He's given Maxi Walker a nickname. Tangles. Tangles. Apparently, no one's ever come up with that before. <laughs> Got so, first. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks very much to Kevin Hillier on uh, filling in for Finey uh, before the Diego's uh, with the GBU crew. Fantastic. I think it was number 36 tonight. It was. And, and the boys did a brilliant job with that. So... Uh, thank you to them. Uh, guys, uh, big, big show tonight. We've got Paul Coburn. Uh, of course, uh, those of you who listen to Dan- Daniel Harford's show, Halftime on every day on Thursdays, uh, uh, Paul Coburn, uh, is that splendid segment, the fit and well segment. He, uh, we gave him his start. start, didn't we, Carlos? Actually, really? He was Dr. Groin before Diego's many, many years ago on Community Radio. He's gone on the bigger and better things. He's the star of fit and well. On uh, half time, and of course, he's from Mill Park Sports Therapy, uh, Physiotherapy Clinic, and he's over in Barcelona at the moment at a what's it called? It's a sixth annual Muscle Tech uh, Conference where uh, they're all talking about hamstrings and dodgy groins, which I'm very interested in. I know what it's called, Carlos. It's called a junket. <laughs> you know, most people uh, we touch turn to gold, Carlos. Yes, like Doctor Groin. Mm. Maybe it's time we started touching ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, let's, let's not go down that path. No. Bit of it as well. Not at all. Well, exactly. I've, I've been seeing me nude on the Copacabana <laughs> with you, Carlos. But the medical conference is at uh, Camp New at Barcelona. It's something that Barcelona FC holds. So, And apparently he's just mingling with all the medicos, all the all the people who apply the cough test, Vinny Venezuela, at world football clubs all around the world are at this conference. And we'll, we'll speak to Cobes very, very soon. And, of course, we've got Mike McGrath, uh, from the Sun in the UK talking about all the EPL football and all the shenanigans in the Euro 2016 qualifiers. Uh, I call it drone gate that we'll be talking about uh, See, at the Albania-Serbia game. And uh, we'll just get the, the story behind the story there. We had an idea, didn't we, before the drone gate affair to fly a drone over Amy Park on Sunday night promoting... Our online newsletter, didn't we, Carlos? <laughs> no, actually, we don't. We yeah. don't have the funds for a drone plane. We were just going to yeah. use a, a remote control car. A remote yeah. control car. Yeah, I think it's a little bit uh, risky these days to be able to do that stuff. And, and the fact that they even got a drone in the stadium, I worry about that rather than yes, all the no, other stuff around true. it. But uh, we'll have a chat to Mike about that and see what the latest is on that story. It is. 
pretty weird in world football what happened, and uh, and I'm sure he'll have the latest. Now, Warren, last night, the FFA Cup, you know, it's all about heroes. It's all about, uh, you know, playing the best game of your life. Now, you usually go with the underdog, but the underdog Palm Beach Shark is probably a game that they'd like to forget. They lost 5-0 yep. against Central Coast Mariners. Yep. But it was one of the Mariners guys who played the game of his life. It was, and... It was only 1-0 at the time when Matty Sim came on and scored the next four goals for a 5-0 win. 70th minute he came on. It was, but there's a thing, Carlos. Before we go on to our hot topic, there was a couple of things I noticed about last night's game. First of all, Clive Palmer was there. (laughs) Second of all, he allowed people to grace all four components of the ground. He allowed people to sit all around the ground, which was unusual when his Gold Coast team were in the A-League that he didn't let people in. So... Apparently, he's very much behind the, the Palm Beach team, and, and they were plucky for a period, but Matty Two Sim- minutes they were plucky for. <laughs> yeah. First two minutes they were great. They were yeah. interchanging yep. your passing, they were pressing on Central Coast. I was saying to my wife, Carmen Miranda, I said, this Palm Beach side's really up for this. They lasted two minutes. Yeah, I think, unfortunately for me, I think the FA, FFA Cup is going really well, but Tugranong and Palm Beach haven't really done a lot for me in the last two <laughs> games in terms of underdog, but... Matty Sim, who himself is a state league player that's had a really good state league career, who's taken his chance at Central Coast and came on and scored four goals. And I was, we were thinking yeah. about the best substitute performances. Super sub. Super sub performances that you've ever seen. Now, this could be under 12. Yeah. It could be... You know, a Premier League substitution performance. I know for me, the best substitution performance that's never happened in the Diego's is me actually hosting the show. (laughs) But we hope that might actually happen. So the hot topic tonight is tell us your super sub story from any level, any grade, any type of game of football that you've ever seen. It could have been another 10 player coming on in the last five minutes and scoring 10. Just give us anything you've got there for the hot topic tonight and the SMS number 0433981116, 0433981116. You could even, look, I'm thinking of David Fairclough for the great Liverpool sides of the 70s and 80s. He's just come on. They never play him in starting 11 ever. And if they ever did, he always had a nightmare. So they just brought him off the bench. He was a red-headed uh, forward, and he used to always get goals. And, of course, there was Ollie going to show a shy. Say, one. Now, so he a, played well enough to yep. start games and yep. never did. Absolutely. So send those through, and Warren will read them out throughout the night. Of course, uh, last night we had, uh, overnight, we had the big game between Australia and Qatar, and we're getting graphics on Fox Sports News at the moment. There was Qatar crisis, and uh, you know, basically, the 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 house that uh, Ange is building is falling down. And it's, it's an absolute disaster. What's your take, Vinny Venezuela? Is it a disaster losing in these toy games before the real thing happens in January with the Asian Cup? No, Carlos, it, it's a hiccup. It's a hiccup. Better better that it happens now than later. Uh, it is not a disaster. It's you know, it's unfortunate. There's always stuff to be learned from these sorts of scenarios. And, look, the conditions were – the boys were sweating before they even came onto the pitch. And yep. then they're soaking two seconds uh, you know, on the pitch. So all of those things doesn't make it right. Uh, Qatar, obviously, were, were a pluckier at, 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 the, at the right end of town. But uh, it is not a disaster. you just got to have a little bit of patience. You can't plant a seed and expect a tree, you know. Yep. 
it grows over time, and we, we've got a bit of time up. But it's, it's interesting how the Fox Sports commentators, and we love Mark Bosich. They've and, turned, uh, Carlos. Oh, yeah, Robbie Slater. These guys were sitting next to Ange, lauding uh, him as a coach not so long ago, and suddenly uh, they're really, really uh, they're panicking almost about where we are right now. And, of course, we want, a, we want a Socceroo team that wins all the time, plays champagne football all the time. But they were calling for transition, under Holger Osik, and they were begging for it then. They've got it now, and it's they're too complaining. Much transition, yeah, exactly. Too, too, much. too much is going on right now, and uh, and they're not accepting the fact that Ange has got to look at the stable of players that are out there, and it's not going to lend itself to cohesive performances. And he made eight changes from the zero, the, the sterile zero uh, nil all draw against UAE yep. over the weekend. Um, what do you think, Warren? I mean, well, is, is it a disaster? Is it a crisis? Should we panic? It's not a crisis, but and you made a good point, Carlos, and that's rare, but I'll repeat it on air for the <laughs> sake of it being public. If you actually have a look at the results of most of the Asian teams, and we're talking about the Asian powerhouses in Japan and South Korea, they're going through as poor a performances as what we've experienced recently. But I will say a couple of things. The first game was like watching treacle flow out of a bottle in a real, <laughs> on a really cold day. And there's a couple of issues. Continuity, we're, we're turning players over so he's got the maximum for insight into the players he wants to pick in the squad. That's good. But we've got Pele coming out in November and we do need to solve the impotent problem that we have. Without Tim Cale, who created some chances in the second game against Qatar, and probably we deserve to at least get a draw, if not probably win that game on balance of chances. We're impotent seemingly without him. And I just wonder, what's the worth of playing these two games in the conditions that we played? Because I don't think we learn very much about anything in terms of the just searing conditions. The practicalities of flying them back here. Japan played Jamaica. Ideally, ideally... What you'd like to do is get them back here in Australia, playing the conditions in the stadiums they'll be playing in come January. But guess what? It's 24 hours to fly out to yep. Australia, yep. and it's an international week, 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 and suddenly you're travelling for two days either end. You're not getting much uh, – it's, it's, it actually really sets the players back. They had to play somewhere halfway, and Middle East is there. You talk about Japan playing at home. Mm. Well, Japan's nowhere near, nowhere is hard to get to from. No, but Europe. why not play another game in Europe against a against a a team with a buy through the qualification round, similar no, because, to what we did in the first you, time. You, I mean, I think it's a good move. You're playing Asian Cup teams in uh, in January. Why wouldn't you play similar type teams right now? It could all be part of the psychological strategy too to make them think that they they've got got it over us, and then we'll just uh, whip the carpet from under their their feet. You never know. Yeah. Well, look, I, but not really. For, for me, you know, of course we want, you know, this transition to be seamless. But you're not going to get it when there's wholesale changes. Okay? And we're all crying out for wholesale changes, giving these young guys a go. Now, these guys might not be up to it, but we'll only really know at the Asian Cup. Right? And this is the thing. Like, it, I, I'm actually, you know, I don't know if I've told you guys, but I'm actually going to Japan uh, on the Diego's budget in a couple ah. of weeks to watch the watch the soccerers because I believe that is the squad. And he told us we couldn't have a drone airplane. Yeah. <laughs> exactly right. I'll be flying out in the drone, by the way. Uh, I, I believe that'll be the squad. You'll see a semblance of the squad that he's going to take to the Asian Cup. The only thing that worries me about all this, not so much the performances because there's reasons for that. 
I worry that there's still talk that he's looking at A-League players for that Japanese game. I say, Ange, don't. Just leave it alone. You've seen enough players now. Anyone who you haven't seen in the A-League, worry about them after the Asian Cup or bring him in, you know, maybe one at a time. But don't start mucking around with your last game because my issue is that if they're continuously chopping and changing, even up in that last game, there's no other games come January. No, you can't be – I agree with that. You've got, yeah. to be, you've got to be going with your – I mean, I think they're allowed – a similar size squad for the Asian Cup than what they were in the World Cup, around that 21, 23, 23 20, or something. Yeah. I mean, they, he probably won't take that many to Japan. He might do. But I think I agree with you. You've got to go with your team. I mean, through circumstances, that I mean, I the the, you know, the central defending pair was Wilkinson and Topper Stanley in this game, and he's been playing around with that, and I think that's more been because of injury, possibly, than anything else. Matt, Matt Spiranovic hasn't been available he, he may for well either one. He might be ready for the Asian Cup. Yeah. And Spiranovic will, it will be number one. I mean, he'll probably be ready for the Asian Champions League final. Yeah. That two-legged final. So, And then there's enough games after that yeah. for him to at least get some games under his belt. So, you know, and there's, you know, Nikita Rukovica is just now signed for West Sydney Wanderers. And, uh, and okay, it's a bit of an out of sight, out of mind. And people are divided on how good he is, but... If they start looking at him as a possible central striker, um, you know, as an option to Tim Carl, because I don't think they'll ever go with a double prong there. They'll always go for the for the one up front, maybe with the two wide players supporting. And you've got Matthew Leckie wasn't playing against yeah. uh, Qatar. Uh, uh, Troisi actually had one or two chances. Cruz is getting his uh, getting his rhythm back. Yep. Um, well, Leckie came on late. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I, I just I, I just think that yes, we. You know, if you let if you if you start panicking there, you'll worry, right? Because of what's been happening. But I still don't think it's time to worry yet. If they're really poor against a very ordinary Japan right now, who got beaten four nil by Brazil uh, just in the last couple of days, uh, or if they, you know, if you if they're anywhere not as good as say somebody or someone like South Korea lost against Costa Rica, no one's in good form in Asia at the moment, except some of the Middle Eastern teams. So uh, I, I just think. I'll start worrying a little bit when if we're very, very poor against Japan. So if we're playing the share market game with the Socceroos, buying, selling or holding, Carlos? Uh, buying, selling or holding. Playing, uh, I, I'd hold right now. Okay. I'd hold right now. I'm not going not gonna to worry so much about, um, about it, moving anything. I think Ange, you've got to put faith in him right now that Ange has got – he, from all the plays he's seen since the World Cup and also those plays at the World Cup, that will be able to pick 21 to 23 players. And uh, from that point, uh, he's just got to work on them. And he hasn't, hasn't got a lot of time to work on them, even before the World Cup, uh, sorry, the Asian Cup. He's only got about, you know, 10 to, 7 to 10 days. It's not long at all. So, uh, anyway, he's, he's got to work Vinny? a bit of a mir- Look, miracle in that respect. No, no, Buying, I, selling, holding. No, no, I think you've, you've got to hold a little bit. I think he's probably made up his mind about a few players just quietly. I think that um, there, there are a few issues there. We, the Qatari boys, they, they were just a little bit better in those conditions and a bit faster and a bit better on the counters, and they made the most of their opportunities. I think they, they were sticking to us. They, they played us quite well. They didn't give us much space, and, yep. and then that slowed us down. And then our, by the time we turned and faced the goal, 
we they had the numbers there as well. So yep. they, they played us well, and there's there's stuff to be learned uh, Absolutely. from how they played us. Very little cohesion, but that's what these games are for. But anyway, we'll talk more about uh, the prospects of the Socceroos very, very soon, plus some Melbourne victory and Melbourne City talk a bit later in the show. But now we're going to cross over to Brazil. It is 21, not Brazil, Barcelona. It is now 21 past 11. Do it to start the commotion. Yes, uh, it's time to go over to Barcelona and speak to our man over there, formerly Dr. Groin on the Four Diego's many, many years ago. Now the star of Fit and Well on Daniel Harford's show, Half Time. Uh, Paul Copeland from Mill Park Physiotherapy Clinic finds himself a long way from Mill Park in Barcelona. G'day there, Paul. Oh, Carlos. How are you, mate? Hello. Hola. Hola, that's what it is, yeah. How are you, mate? Uh, It's Carlos Alberto. You've got Vinny Venezuela and also Warren Diego with you tonight. Uh, You're over there at Barcelona, and uh, I know you love your football because you've been on the Diego's many, many times as Dr. Groin, Uh, but uh, you're over there for a medical conference, the sixth annual Muscle Tech Network conference, where all the head honchos who do the cough tests all around the world for the medicals, uh, for the players, over there talking about all sorts of injuries. Uh, of course, the Australians are very, very good at uh, this thing known worldwide for sports science. How, have you learnt anything while you've been over there? Um, look, yeah, um, Carlos, a lot of the stuff that was presented is probably moving towards um, the cutting edge. Um, it reinforced a lot of things that we do at home. Um, probably I was thinking about for this show what would be, you know, to talk about what would be something that I've really learnt that would be important to bring home. And, and one of the exercise programs that comes out of FIFA called the FIFA 11 that some of you might be aware of, it's a set of exercise programs, uh, sorry, a set of exercises that players, both uh, men and women, can do as part of their warm-up, has been shown on a number of occasions since its introduction um, in definitely making a reduction in the number of injuries that a team will experience in a year. So the, the thing I would be bringing home and reinforcing is that um, any club um, who um, should be incorporating those exercises into their program to uh, reduce the number of injuries. Cobes, Warren here. Let's get down to tin tacks. What animal's blood are we actually going to be experimenting with next? That's really what I'm interested in because, let's face it, we've run out of conventional treatments for hamstring injuries and now it's just about calf's blood in some backward city in some Eastern European country. What is it going to be next? Uh, yeah, look, the um, the blood injections are like canning here at, uh, at this conference. Um, uh, Peter Brook presented at the AFL conference a couple of weeks ago and talked about this. These, uh, I think he called them five steps of the introduction of the latest thing where a champion player tries it and then everybody's onto it and it costs a lot of money and et cetera, et cetera. And by the time the researchers catch up with it, which is at least, you're looking at two to five years later, um, you've discovered it doesn't do uh, a bloody thing. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, a, a real amount of scepticism. The big thing here has been absolutely beyond any shadow of doubt is improving your exercise programs. So that's, there's no magic in it. You've got to do it really well. Um, there's certainly some skills in doing the right ones. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that product, those products have got an absolute camp at this conference. 
Cobes, uh, Vinnie Venezuela here. Uh, have you toured the facilities over there? What are they like? And did you find the room where they're holding all the 10-year-olds from South America that they're going to sign? <laughs> <laughs> no. I tell you what, though. Um, we out on a tour. We were supposed to have a tour last night, and I'm sure it's because... Um, and someone like Messi has injured themselves yesterday because suddenly the tour was off of the medical facilities. <laughs> so someone was in there and there was something wrong with them. There's no doubt about it. It was at the, the last minute that we're supposed to go out to have a look. Um, but they've got... Uh, it's funny talking about all the <laughs> room with all the South American kids because they have this massive amount of data on their injuries. And, um, and it, unlike Australia, where we're looking at adults, a lot of their data was actually on kids between the ages of um, 10 and, and 16, which I was completely dumbfounded with. To get that sort of data set at home, it was find it at this sort of conference. But for them, as you as you you know as you aware, they've got all, they've got all these kids, and they're trying to work out um, who's going to be the champion. Live from Barcelona, we're speaking to Paul Coburn from Mill Park. Physiotherapy Centre. Cobes, uh, you tweeted out, uh, or you sent me a photo uh, just the other day uh, while you were over there of the Juventus doctor doing a presentation at one of the, uh, one of the sessions. How many different big clubs uh, have been presenting? And uh, I've always been interested in the AC Milan lab. You know, it sounds like <laughs> a place where they, you know, grow, you know, have stem cell therapy for, for groin injuries or something. It just seems a really mysterious place. Have you heard much about the Milan lab and what other big clubs have been presenting? Uh, the main club that's presented has definitely been uh, FC Barcelona. Uh, we didn't hear anything from Milan, um, and that may well be because they're not producing as much research. So there's a difference between having these labs and presenting uh, and actually doing the, the, the hard scientific research. What the, the group that seems to be doing the most in the area of sports medicine in terms of money going to the facility is actually Qatar, who I overheard you speaking about a moment ago. And they have got a absolute space-age-looking facility over there, and they've recruited all the top sports medicine people from all over the world, including Australia. Um, so they've got people from... Uh, all the top people from Europe that we used to read of in the journals, suddenly they've migrated to Qatar. So that's an interesting um, an interesting setup, And I, I have my suspicion... Given the, the controversy around the World Cup, Qatar needs to be showing the world that, indeed, they are doing a lot in this area of sports medicine. Now, Cobes, I'm just wondering whether the, any of the uh, Barcelona officials, doctors, are coming up to you and asking just how David Villa is travelling down in uh, Melbourne City, <laughs> if there's any interest in the A-League or any talk about Australian football, you know, over a, a croissant or a bagel at breakfast or... Um, I know how these conferences run, the it's long tapas, lunches, tapas. Oh, the tapas. Is there yeah. any talk about him or Australian football as you talk about different sporting competitions? Oh, Warren, certainly the big talk over here is Australian football. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> that is real. That's what people are really interested in. You know, they stop us all the time and say, look, yeah, we've got, you know, we've... We've got Messi, you know, we've got the you know, Barcelona FC, but what is going on down in Melbourne? Because <laughs> here that's where it's all happening. Yeah. But, uh, but jokes aside, um, what, what is interesting that in this area of research, 
that Australian football that is a very small, you know, I don't know how small, they're literally a drop in the ocean of world football. The research has been done in Australian football that all of these international authors refer to. Mm. And we saw, what was astounding was to sit here in this mecca of, um, of the, of, um, of, of the real football and see slides and photographs of Australian footballs because that's where all the data's come out of. And, and the thing is about in the Australian football game, the chance of doing your hamstring is even much higher. I mean, it was interesting looking, um, it was, because it was all about hamstring injuries. And I was saying how long it takes to get back from a hamstring. Now, in Australia, where we've got, we have got cutting edge technology, we know our stats really well, it takes longer. And that's because it's the nature of the game. To actually get back to play AFL, you need to have actually a hamstring. So it's interesting that we're so well represented here. Maybe not so much interest in the uh, Australian uh, soccer, but certainly uh, in the Australian sports medicine scene. Now, Cobes, uh, you, you're with the Barcelona greats in those labs. Have they explained how they do a cough test compared to the rest of the world? Do they cup the hand? Do they do two <laughs> fingers? Do they do anything different? Do they warm the hands up first? Warm... <laughs> Are there any tricks that they they apply to, to to the next Messi and so forth? Well, I don't know, but the yeah, but the I was a bit astounded. The, the um, you know that magic cow. Yep. There's fibres in that magic towel you just would not believe. Mm. I, I didn't realise. It's not just any old towel. These are fibres I've taken from the uh, Guatemalan rainforest. <laughs> um, I, I, that's gone over my head. I didn't realise how important that was. Well, Cobes, can you just smuggle in the magic sponge for my groins? Because, you know, I could have been anything with good groins, and you're the one who knows my groins as intimately as anyone else. Uh, so come back with all the data for that, because I want to make a comeback in world football. But, Cobes, sounds like it's a really exciting couple of days over there at Barcelona. Say hello to Lionel Messi while he's uh, getting his rub down or something uh, in, the, in the medical suites there, and uh, we'll have a chat to you, hopefully, when you get back. Thanks, Diego. Good on you, mate. That's Paul Coburn, the star of Fit and Well on uh, Daniel Harford's Halftime. Of course, he's from Mill Park Physiotherapy Centre. Well, let's take a break, guys. And, uh, of course, Warren, you've got a lot of hot topic uh, responses uh, to maybe share with the a audience. trickles coming through, Carlos. Yeah, no, no, but they're all very, very high-quality hot topic responses coming up. We'll take a break. On 1116 SEN, the Four Diego's. Welcome back. This is the Four Diego's here on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sports. Now 21 minutes to midnight. I had a great little chat to Paul Coburn, our very own Dr. Groin, uh, direct from Barcelona before the break. Uh, a lot of great stuff he's learning over there uh, in Spain at the uh, Muscle Tech Conference for all the big medical sports uh, doctors from all the big football clubs around the world, and uh, he's going to be bringing back all that information here in Australia. Now, Vinny Venezuela, of course, uh, on the weekend. Uh, by the way, we've got Mike McGrath coming up very, very soon, the Sun UK football writer, and he'll be joining us to talk about all the EPL uh, stuff from a couple of weeks ago, but also the Euro qualifiers and what the hell happened with Drone Gate. We'd like to find a little bit more information about that. But Vinny, of course, on the weekend, we had the start of oh. the A League. And, of course, we had victory on the Friday night. We had City on the Saturday night. I was excited all weekend, I've got to say. The quality, the crowds, everything was fantastic as far as I was concerned. Look, it was huge. It was great to have it back. Um, I actually wrote about it for my friend, Sportsmate uh, A-League Live app, uh, 
Download it. It's free. It's got some articles from Vinnie Venezuela. Get on board. It's a good little app anyway. But uh, it was a fantastic round, starting off with that victory game, which you know we were, we did a lot of post-match stuff for that anyway. But that, that was good. And then that Melbourne City-Sydney game, the crowd was almost as good, probably not quite as good as the, the Melbourne crowd for opening night. But uh, great atmosphere, good tight game, fantastic result. Melbourne City were looking like dynamite. I, I don't think I've seen them play with such um, uh, such such swiftness. That was, that was so good, and it was such an entertaining game. But, uh, you know, you've got to take your chances when you get them. Via did. Not yeah. everyone else did. Mm. Warren? Yeah, no, I think um, victory were sublime. We talked about that. They be very really interested in this week's game. I feel, I mean, if you look outside of the Melbourne teams, I thought Adelaide City played Adelaide United. Adelaide, Adelaide United played really well against Brisbane Raw. I thought they're going to. I think they're capable of testing the victory at home in front of thirty odd to thirty five thousand people. They're going to get at Adelaide Oval, which is going to be another highlight in the second week. I mean, if we look at highlights, victory playing Western Sydney Wanderers, and then Adelaide, which is a traditional rival at a at a venue that has really taken the AFL by storm and hopefully is somewhere that Adelaide United can go and play but games. We're talking about a crowd of about 30,000 in that new yep, stadium 30 in to 35, yep. What will that look like in that stadium? I think it'll look pretty good. Yep. I mean, I think you'll see um, I think you'll see a lot of people on the hill, which will be good, and I think you'll see the stands reasonably packed. I think it's about 50,000, so it's going to be two-thirds okay. full. Yep. I mean, I think um, for me as a, as a Melbourne City fan, the things I liked very much. I like the fact they were able to get a goal after going down one. Would never have happened in the previous incarnations of Melbourne Heart, Melbourne City. If they, they would have dominated a game or played with possession for a lot of it, would have gone down a goal and would have, been, would have found it difficult to get a goal. But this is a Sydney that was ravaged by absences yeah, of so international absences. I would argue... Injuries. I mean... They've got Smelts to come back. They've got Yanko to come back. They've got, uh, I think, Brosk played on the weekend. Brosk played. But there's a, one or two others yeah, that couple weren't available. Yeah, a um, couple of un, under-19 guys, un, under-20 yeah, guys exactly. too. I mean, but yeah. I would argue, Carlos, that pound for pound, you've got Robert Corrin, who yep. is considered to be, and this is just perception, considered to be, you know, a really top-quality import. You've got David Williams, who didn't play for victory. I mean, for, for City, who you would think would be in their starting team. I would think, to me, that City have got lots of basis of improvement. You loved you loved Damien Duff, and you loved mm. Damien Duff not only mm. for the cutback that led to James Brown hitting the post in the first half, but then doing similar things in the second half. An import that played all the game, looked strong for the whole game. What I, what I liked about Damien Duff, you often, and I, I don't mean to be critical of our young players because they are very talented, our young players in the league, but it's rare that you see a player on the field who you can see the authority he has and that nothing's guesswork. He actually knows his way around. He knows where the ball is. He knows what to do. I mean, the cutback for both James Brown yeah. and also David Villa, it actually cut out about four defenders because he cut it back at such an angle that the play that the actual defenders weren't expecting it. And when and Villa was actually he was lining himself up for that for for that 
that player that would actually cut it back at that angle. And that's why he got space on Seb Ryle. And that's, you know, which then opened him up with one touch and he puts it away. So there was just so much certainty about his play, so much authority about his play. He's here for, he's here, he's here for a serious time. The yeah. way he speaks, the way that he's conducted himself, there's no sense of... Well, he did the whole pre-season, so There's no violent. sense of holiday or no sense of... He's really serious. And... They've always been a counter-attacking side. Corrin plays as an attacking midfielder. Marte de Gansic, I really like the fact that he started up front. He didn't really bit, bit look angry, that... A bit angry? Yeah. I, he's he's, sort yeah. Of, he's got, him, got himself a bit angry, Vinny. Angry pills with Marte. I, I noticed that when he came back from injury and uh, he was a bit under pressure and he wasn't hitting some form... Uh, sometimes I, I don't remember him being like that when he was when he was a, a player at Victory or in the early years at Melbourne City. But he seems to be getting in the big big blues with the referees these days. Oh, it just seems like he's so desperate to do yeah, well. Yeah, a lot of pressure on him. I reckon. Yeah, it's, it just it just seems like he's just got to relax a little bit and let his talent, his undoubted talent, take over. Because I just think sometimes uh, his temperament's letting him down because he's maybe trying too hard. Uh, but he always seems to be, you know, arguing with referees these days. They the the tempo that they set themselves in that first half was pretty amazing, and it was always going to be a question of whether they could sustain it. And I, I thought uh, Graham Arnold did a very good job at just biding his time a little bit. And and they and Gamero scored a cracker on on. I love the the, the curling. Boy, the boy can goal. play. Yeah. He can yeah. play. But it's going to probably miss out when the big names come back. Yeah. And with Smelts, you're not going to have Corey Gamero in place of uh, Smelts or Yanko. I mean, those guys were you know a, a top line proven performers. Yeah. And the good thing is Corey Gamero, who hasn't liked being second, you know, being second to anyone in other clubs he's been at. In fact, he's shown a poor attitude when that's happened. He's actually come out in the media and says, I know that I'm here to learn from these guys. So he's almost accepting the fact. But, geez, if they can fast-track his improvement, he's certainly a bloke who uh, has a nose for goal and he's got that hunger, which I really like. I mean, I think around the league, I mean, the Central Coast-Newcastle game, was a that was a plucky game. I don't think they're going to go too far either team based on that. But they both gave a bit and they both showed a bit and I think their imports and I Mane was great. Mane for was yeah. great for Central for the Central Coast and you know, the Perth Wellington game again, jury's out with Perth, but they don't normally win if they travel ten metres away from their home state and they, they were good. It's the longest road trip in world. Yeah, football I thought Perth showed time. showed signs. They've got a they seem to have a bit better, deeper squad and their and their import scored and you know, Mitch Nichols made that goal, and if Mitch Nichols gets in that Mitch Nichols vein of form where he's really on top of his game, they could be pretty hard to beat, particularly at home. So I thought all round there were lots to talk about about every game. Well, let's uh, let's hold it there, guys. We'll talk more A League uh, towards the end of the show, but let's uh, shoot off over to the UK. It's now seventeen minutes to midnight. <laughs> Yes, uh, we're going over to the UK now and speak to our man over there, Mike McGrath from The Sun, talking UK football. G'day to you, Mike. Hi, guys. Good to speak to you. Yes, it's Carlos. It is Vinny Venezuela and also Warren Diego Rodrigo having a night off. And you might know this, Greg, because you like your cricket. He's actually hanging out with Max Walker tonight. <laughs> well, uh, well, 
you got to rub shoulders with the stars. Absolutely. <laughs> That's why he's not here with the Diego's. But anyway, uh, Mike, uh, can we, I just want to get, so I want to talk about Roy Hodgson and, uh, he's, uh, blue with, uh, Brendan Rogers and a few of the, a bit of the EPL stuff. But I wanted to go straight to the weirdest, uh, abandonment of a game, I believe, a high profile game that I've ever heard of. Uh, we're talking about the Serbia versus the Albania Euro 2006 qualifier where we're calling a drone gate. A drone was flown over the ground. Uh, it had an Albanian flag, and it just caused havoc on the ground with players fighting and the crowd getting involved. And we hear that the the president of Albania's brother had something to do with it. <laughs> and uh, it, this is obviously uh, this rivalry. We've actually seen it touched upon in the Premier League before because there's uh, the Serbian player Alexander Kolarov was once playing for City, saw an Albanian flag in the crowd, and that incited uh, you know him to confront these people. You know, you know, uh, to, it's so deep rooted the, um, uh, the 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 war between the two that uh, you know it's it's quite difficult um, for you know a, a, an English to understand it. And this game. Uh, last night really did because obviously the flag got waved and then um, you saw uh, all all sorts of um, all sorts of trouble breaking out after that. Uh, very rare to see that over here, but um, obviously UEFA have stepped in straight away um, and they're um, I think they've charged uh, they're going to charge both countries for the offence and obviously the investigation starts. But, Mike, I hear that the – it's just hot off the wires – that the Prime Minister of Albania's brother was in a super box or executive box there at the ground, and he was actually flying the drone from the box. Can you can you confirm that? I mean, it, it, I mean, no, I mean, that's the first I've heard of that, but obviously it's – I mean, it's just – you can't really make it up, could you? I mean, that's uh, – <laughs> Incredible, an incredible story, uh, and obviously the, the game being abandoned um, causes problems as well. To get this game played will be uh, an incredible feat. Now, Mike, as we go back to England, it's the lot of a club manager to complain about the demands that the national manager places on players, and Brendan Rodgers definitely stoked this blue with Roy Hodgson a little while ago with the mismanagement of Daniel Sturridge. And now Roy Hodgson, who I don't know whether national managers are meant to be be beyond biting back, but he's now bit back about the fact that Raheem Sterling asked for a rest because he's used to a rest under Brendan Rodgers and he's now questioning whether that's the best management of, you know, your elite fast stars because Brendan Rodgers likes to give players. To me, this is not ever going to be a win-win for either for either guy. Brendan Rodgers is going to perhaps ostracise himself from England fans and, and Roy Hodgson's got a, going to get a fair whack from Liverpool fans with regards to what is perceived mismanagement of an England or a Liverpool side at the moment that's got quite a number of England players in it. Yeah, I mean, there's all, I think there's always going to be this tension between club and country. and They're, they're kind of always has been, particularly since the days of Alex Ferguson. I mean, all the autobiographies and stories coming out have kind of, you know, confirmed the, the biggest, you know, known secret that there is, that he, he didn't fancy his players 
playing to their playing international football. Um, protect, you know, club managers are protecting their own jobs, and uh, and that's certainly what Brendan Rodgers. Uh, he, he he's always going to be trying to do it, uh, trying to be doing with his players. I think it's it's a bit harsh on Roy Hodgson because he hasn't got that many days to work with the players before the before the next tournament. I mean, I'm assuming we're going to qualify. You guys have seen how easy our group is, especially now the Switzerland been, um, has been chalked off as a victory. Uh, he hasn't still hasn't got many days to work with them. It's nothing like um, you know it's a fraction of the season um, of what a club manager would would, uh, would want uh, would get. So. He's going to he's going to want to maximise the time with his players training, and really that just doesn't fit in with getting two days two days rest after a after a game. So it's it's getting slightly messy, obviously, with um, Sterling saying he's tired, um, as as kind of asked a few people, and but I, I can't see this one really uh, dying down anytime soon. I think it's going to rumble on. Um, you know, obviously we've got another double header next week, uh, next month. Slovenia and, and Scotland, well, I'm sure it's going to uh, reset points again. Mike, Vinny here. I've just, I just want to ask you something about Arsenal. Are they the mo- most injury-plagued team all the time? I, Erzl's gone. Koscielny now has got some Achilles and tendon problems going on. It seems like this team can't cut a break no matter how much money they spend. Uh, do they get? When do they get the witch doctor in, mate? I mean, it's not just this season. They've always suffered. Uh, they've always suffered from injury problems, and it's led to some people kind of pointing the thing, the methods of um, the doctors there, maybe maybe the training ground, things like that. But yeah, a lot of these are also impact injuries, like what Jack Wilshire suffered. So it's not. Um, so it is. Some of it is just bad luck, I think. And at the moment, from looking like. You know the possible champion uh, champions material. You're, you're now looking at um, you know whether they can kind of really resurrect the season from what they've got because it's been a, it's been a decent start. Obviously, Welbeck picked up a knock as well, which you didn't mention. I think he's going to be all right for the weekend. But I mean, players like that have just got to uh, wrap up in cotton wool, I think, for the time being. Here on the 4 Diego's, we're speaking to Mike McGrath from The Sun in the UK, live from the UK, and, uh, of course, talking about the UK football and also the uh, Euro 2006 qualifiers. Mike, let me take you back. It seems like a, ages ago, but the stash between uh, Arsene Wenger and Jose Mourinho in the game between Chelsea and Arsenal, uh, you know, two weekends ago, um, what's the outcome of all that? I mean, it was pretty unseemly, the whole thing, and it... Seemed weird that Arsene Wenger seemed to be the aggressor. Yeah, I mean, in terms of what's going to happen now, I think that uh, the the FA are not going to look into it because the, the the referee at the time uh, sorted it out, and uh, games aren't re-refereed uh, un- under the laws, so they're not going to face any action from that. But you know, the damage might be. Done to Wenger's kind of reputation because I mean he's got a, a, it's not even a shocking record against Mourinho. He's got a terrible um, non-winning record against Mourinho. Uh, he's got the hex over him, and it, you know for for a sixty odd year old guy to lose it like that, you kind of you think you know has he, he lost the plot here? And he, you know it was a bizarre a bizarre confrontation from um, you know 
a near enough pensioner um, <laughs> to start uh, aggressing towards um, towards Mourinho. I don't think Wenger came out of it very well. This is a guy, you know, he should be in control of the situation. He couldn't control himself there. Um, you know, despite it being quite quite funny, obviously the pictures, I thought it was strange. Um, you know, Wenger doesn't come out of it looking very good at all. Now, Mike, out of international breaks, there always seems to be banana skin games. I mean, you got Man City playing Tottenham, Arsenal, Hull. Liverpool go back to the place where it all fell apart, Crystal Palace, late last season. And the one I'm interested in, I don't know whether you think this is a potential um, banana skin game for Man U, but they go to West Brom on the Monday night game in your part of the world, the Tuesday morning our game. Can you see any banana sting games for those top teams coming back from international break? I mean, without being boring, I, I, I really don't think I can really. I think, but I think it's it's actually Chelsea at Palace um, and and Liverpool oh, yes. have got QPR. QPR. Sorry, yeah. I, I don't think. Yeah, I, I don't think either of those two bigger sides um, are going to be too worried about it. Obviously, the, the pressure not quite so much on Liverpool like it um, like it was last season in that game that you mentioned where it all fell apart but I, I think that's quite a nice nice one to come back to the um, QPR fixture because it's really desperate times for Harry at, um, at QPR um, and I think obviously Arsenal have got um, injury problems but I just think at home it's a different it's a different kind of uh, it's a different kettle of fish for them I, I, I think they'll They'll have enough to to beat Hull. Similarly, I think City. I don't think it'll be seven nil like last season, but I think it'll. Uh, sorry, I think six nil last season, but I do think that um, they'll beat Spurs uh, and possibly Man. Possibly Man U. That could be that could be a tricky one. Um, West Brom are not as they're not rolling over like people um, like people thought they would, and I think it all kind of coincides with uh, Jolie and Lescott coming back to form. It, it's he uh, coming back to fitness. Sorry, he's, he's um, they patched him up, got him on the pitch, centre back, and they've looked a bit more solid and got that result against Spurs. So that could, that possibly might be the outsider for a shock. Now, Mike, who's your favourite import so far, Diego Costa or Di Maria? I just think uh, myself. I think Di Maria is just something special. He's just so uh, slippery. Pacey, he's the kind of guy that I think um, love in in my team. Whoever you know, I think a lot of sports would love him in their team. Costa's been fantastic, and if you know the goals, you can't complain with. But I think he's been also. I think he's just a, he is a goal scorer, a clinical forward. I think Di Maria captures the imagination a bit more, um, and I think that you'll get all sorts of action from him, not just goals. Um, and he, I mean, despite United not being, not hitting anything near top form yet, I think he's been a real plus for them so far. And he's going to be a beauty when they start playing some good football. But thanks very much, Mike. As always, on a Wednesday night here in Melbourne, it's great hearing you, uh, giving our listeners a real feel of what's happening over there in Europe. Uh, we'll speak to you again next Wednesday. Cheers, guys. Speak to you soon. Good on you. That's Mike McGrath from the UK, uh, the Sun uh, football writer there.
Warren, before we go to the break? Oh, just a couple of late tips. It was apparently Peter Hoare flying the, uh, <laughs> the drone. Flying the drone. And I, I like this one for uh, super subs. We've got Ricky Diaco on Ola Gunnar Solskjaer. But this one I like. Big boy Joe Hockey would be a great super sub to deliver the shirt front <laughs> on behalf of Tony Abbott when Vladimir Putin comes to Brisbane next month for the uh, the G20. So, Big Joe, the they super be, sub. They won't be seen anywhere near them. They'll be they'll go missing those two. That's for sure. <laughs> anyway, let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk more A League football here on the A on, on Forty Diego's here on Eleven Sixteen SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Now, and there's more of the Diego's after the break. On eleven sixteen SEN, the Four Diego's. Welcome back. It's uh, one minute to midnight. Uh, we'll quickly go through all the uh, A-League games this weekend. Of course, don't forget after the 40 goes all night appetite uh, between 12 and 6. Scott Cooney, NFL Thursday, 12 to 1. Shane, O'Donoh- oh, Shane Donoghue, so stick around for that. Now, Warren, the big games this weekend. Let's quickly go through them. Adelaide United versus Melbourne. Victory, your team. Adelaide for me at, at home. Uh, as well. the victory away. For me, that's a draw. I think Adelaide and uh, victory... Uh, they're going to play a, a nil-all draw there. You sound uh, like Rodrigo, Carlos. No, no, but it must be the host chair. Uh, Central Coast Mariners versus Wellington Phoenix. Central Coast. Yeah, Central Coast. Uh, Wellington weren't too bad, you know, in uh, New Zealand. At home, Carlos. And it's Eddie Merrick, too. And I don't think he would have taken that loss too kindly on the weekend because he probably thought he would have got something out of that. Sydney FC versus West Sydney Wanderers. What a derby. Ooh. Sold out already. 43,000 tickets sold. Wanderers. Wanderers. I reckon that'll be a draw. I reckon Sydney will win that one. They're going to get some big uh, names back who can score some goals for them, and uh, and I think that they might get the points. Under Arnold, they're a different proposition. We've got Melbourne City versus Newcastle Jets. City, clearly. But how many goals? More than one. <laughs> Two. I'm, I'm saying a 3-0 win for City because uh, I just think they've got the quality to do it. And I think they reckon last week was a it was an opportunity lost drawing against uh, an undermanned Sydney FC. In the last game on the weekend, Perth Glory versus Brisbane Raw. It's a big one. In Perth, I'll go for Perth. Raw. Yeah, I'm going away. for Raw. I reckon Raw, they would have been stung from uh, that loss on the weekend. But uh, that's it for the Diego's tonight. You can join us again next Wednesday. Of course, Warren on Monday night with Warren's wonderful world of world football with Finey between 11 and 12 on Monday. And, of course, uh, I joined Daniel Harford on a Wednesday between uh, 1 and 2. So stick around for that. So remember, Vinny. We're Puerto Rican girls. Hang out. We'll, we'll be, be there. there. Wherever you Samba Rumba and La Bamba, we'll, we'll be, be there. there. Wherever there are girls with fruit on their head and balls on their feet. We'll, we'll be, be there. there. Wherever Gringos play football, we'll, we'll be, be there. there. We are the Four Diego's. Oh. Olé!